They be like, slow up, homie. You're talking too fast. I got a couple of quips. I came to talk trash. Yeah, he's Bucky Watson, Bradley Bax. This is going down. We call it the G Splash. Hey. What up, what up, what up, what up, what up, what up, what up? Welcome to another episode of the Dopest Podcast on Earth, aka G Splash. We're on season four still, which I'm curious if I think it's going to be on a lower end of how I feel about this season. What will be? We just had a lot going on, so I feel like that was a busy year for us, a huge transitional year. I think we've done pretty well, all things. Well, we're keeping it rocking, though. Yeah, gotta keep the energy going, keep it all going. Uh, I am your host with the most. I never said that. I put my Beetlejuice. Uh, <laughs> Bradley Baxter. Nice to you. With my man Chris Bucky. Happy to be here. Happy to be here. Oh, man, this is episode number one hundred and sixty-six, and we're talking. Us. Kong versus Godzilla, or is it Godzilla versus King Kong? What's the title? Kong versus Godzilla. Oh, it is Kong. I just kind of is it not? (laughs) I just do. That's one of those things where you literally see the advertising for five years, and then it comes out, and it the film is in fact called Godzilla versus Kong. But Kong versus Godzilla has a little bit better of a ring to it if I do have to, you know, because the Godzilla vs. Kong, it's the two Gs. It starts with G as it says Kong vs. Godzilla. No, I don't like it either way. Anywho, we're going to talk about that movie. It's going to be a real treat. It's, I think it's going to be Godzilla goes first because he has more, more movies. That's true. This this Kong. But oh, yeah. no, Godzilla just in general. You've added it all up. In the series, was three. There's got to be five. Yeah, but in total, there's got to be 50 Godzilla oh, movies. Oh, yeah, it's like 1,000. So he wins. Anywho, uh, it's a really, uh, uh, I think Brad and I both had a very interesting experience with this film, and we can't wait to dive in and, and talk more about that. Damn right. Uh, over on next episode, we did a little catch-up on episodes two and three of The Falcon Winter Soldier. Mm-hmm. Uh, enjoying that show for sure. And immediately following this episode is... Uh, that next episode episode. Yeah. <laughs> next episode of the next episode. Next episode. Episode of the Anyways, next on that note, Chris, there's a lot to talk about, so just get into some news, baby. Kicking it off though. Tons of trailers dropped this week. It was like at least since the last time we did the show. I there's more trailers I didn't even mention, but uh we'll just go in this order. Space Jam two. Big trailer drop. Big trailer drop. Lot Lots of on. Easter eggs. Very much. I mean, it was just overwhelmingly so. Um, it seems like it could be good. It looks interesting. It's definitely Ready Player One-ish. Very, very much. It's like, hey, we have all these properties. Jam them into a movie. Um, Obviously, the big news out of this is Pepe Le Pew not in the cancel world, which is... Yeah. I guess that's I guess. news. But it is a little contradictive when you have the Clockwork Orange characters in there. Yeah, that was an interesting catch. That you had or somebody else did. But why would they be in... I feel like that's a rated R movie anyway. Like, Uh why would they need to be in this? That was a weird thing you and I actually talked about briefly after I watched the trailer. You know, in the first scene or so, after LeBron James is like, oh my God, my son was kidnapped by John Cheadle. He gets sucked into 
the you know the the he, he gets downloaded into the world or whatever, and he's, he's flying by. You know, he passes Westeros, right? And Wizard of Oz, and it's like okay, cool, Wizard of Oz, but like. It's that thing where I feel like they're trying to make this a kids movie that also appeals to the people who were kids 25 years ago. Right. And so they're like, oh, people that grew up watching Space Jam, now they're watching Game of Thrones. But it's like, well, but now you've included something pretty heavy into a kids movie. And then like, it's but, also like a cult. which is fine. Like you get that. And, and I'm sure there's an argument can make like Pepe Le Pew is like an actual cartoon character doing those things. The clockwork orange is just an Easter egg from a very famous movie about dealing with what your repercussions of your actions. So, I mean, they were probably like, let's just put all the properties in there. And, and they have a very unique right, style. Right. They stand out in the white suits and the black bowlers, but still I got, it. I was like, those guys aren't good guys in that movie. That movie starts with a rape. <laughs> yeah. It's like, a, maybe let's not go down that road. Um, I guess they could always be CGI'd out. Do you think they'll do that? No, because you're the only person that's brought it up. Uh-uh. Oh, this was something that was out bigger. Mm-hmm. It's been okay, on Twitter. Well, good eye then. Whoever found it on Twitter. Um, did you know that Zendaya is pl- voicing Lola Bunny? I did know that, but... Uh, I was curious why not whoever voiced the original Lola Bunny. Who, who you think did, maybe she moved on? Who did voice Lola Bunny? I mean, they just totally re they just changed Lola Bunny. I guess at the time though, with Space Jam, there weren't really any names out there. Like names weren't really a big. Well, with Looney Tune, you had the you know with the, the Looney Tune voice actors were enough at that point. You know what I mean? Like the guy who was doing Bugs Bunny and all those voices was like, yeah, this is our WB voice actor. They do the cartoon. Right. Let them in there. But now it's kind of like, oh, well, Lola Boy's Bunny's not really a Looney Tunes character, so we can have Zendaya be here, and that's all good. Yeah, like they needed a name. Yeah, like who co- Who else? Like what other car- Like, and, and here's the trick, too. The um, Monstars mm-hmm. were not voiced by anybody either. They were just no Danny name. Danny DeVito was in it. But as the leader, but the other team isn't. I'm curious to see the Goon Squad, they must all be voiced by people. You know what I mean? Because you don't, ha- you're not tied to, ha- like, you can't yeah, hire Leonardo DiCaprio and be like, "You're Elmer Fudd now, dummy." <laughs> like, he- he's gonna be Leo, you know. So it's like, maybe that's where they're gonna find room to work. So yeah, it's a- it's an interesting thing to have them do. I mean, they did a full redesign on Lola Bunny to make her less thick, and got Zendaya to do the voice. Yeah, I'm trying to find. I don't see who originally did the voice. Oh, there it is, Kat- uh, Kath Solkel. See, no, nothing. Not Zendaya. Because she wasn't born yet. Yeah. Anyway, another trailer to talk about, though, that hit actually today, Wednesday, was uh, Cruella. Mm-hmm. The new one. Yeah, really focusing on Very Emma dark. Thompson's character. In this Very one. dark for a Disney film. Yeah. But I think it's good. I like it. I like the look of it. I love the look. It's kind of got this um, uh, this London pop punk I would just say punk, underground punk rock is the whole vibe it's right. going for. Right. Uh, which I really enjoy. Interesting, though. Interesting. The way that the live action movies have been so all over the board. Right. Almost reminds me in a different way, but almost reminds me of the DC Universe films. Mm. Like, it's like nobody's at the helm saying, should these all feel a certain way? There's right. like Lion King will be shot for shot CGI, and Aladdin will be pretty close. Corella, whatever the fuck you guys want to do. I mean, I do and like then Mulan. Get weird. I do like that that they did do different styles. Um, Me too. 
versus but like DC. I don't want it, them to all be the feel the same, but I want them to be something. Yeah, I know what you're saying. I think, but I do like the the twist on this too. Is it kind of falls in that Maleficent category, which this movie. does have that feel where it's like dark fantasy. This is like dark, mm-hmm. gothic. I don't know. Yeah, like you said, punk like punk rock. It's the devil wears Prada, without any Dalmatians. <laughs> Wait, did that movie have Dalmatians? No. You know what I'm saying? The, the oh, yeah, Dal- Dalmatians aren't even a part of this. Is her being like, I like coats now. Yeah. So it's going to be fun. I think Emma Stone's going to do a great job. I love the vibe. I would not be surprised if this is a really, really good movie. And uh, I say that because I'm not excited for it. Do you feel like... <laughs> I say like, <laughs> like, I was like, oh, Mulan, that looks interesting. And it was good. And Aladdin, I was like, I think they're going to get it right. And every time it's come up a little short for me. Gotcha. And this one, it might be like, I'm kind of like, oh, we'll see. It's going to be like, 99% Oscar winner! <laughs> but do you also <laughs> feel like I have a hard, like, I, at least for me, I feel like I have a hard time trying to figure out sometimes with these live action films if they're meant for adults versus mm-hmm. kids. Like, Lady and the Tramp was there. You go aimed at kids, I guess. Kids, but it's boring. It's boring as hell. I think it's exactly what we just talked about with the Space Jam trailer. It's the same. They're finding this strange problem. And I say they, not just Disney, but I think anyone trying to put forward an animated series or animated movie or a reboot, sequel, anything like that, right? Yeah. Where instead in the old days, you made a sequel and you just made the sequel to continue the story, which is why you see such success in Toy Story 1 and 2, right? Toy Story 3 was successful because they appealed to kids and made every adult cry who was along the road for Toy Story 1, right? Right, right, right. Everybody else is trying to do that. They're trying to say, okay, so we need to make a movie that's just like this one that kids liked, but it's also got to appeal to adults. A swing and a miss, not a swing and a miss. You can see how difficult that is, and I only say this because I watched the documentary on Disney+, Plus, the Frozen 2 documentary. Oh, right. Like, that movie is like, okay, you guys made a movie for kids, but it's too dark. You made it too adult-themed. And now, as soon as that one came out, everybody said, now the next movie after that was like, mm, kid gloves. Kid, Ryan the Last Dragon has some adult themes, but it's really a kid's movie. Right. You know what I mean? Like, they're trying to find a balance, because it's hard to get it yeah. right. Yeah, Ryan was definitely yeah. way more kid-friendly. Ryan was like, well, there's some things, jokes. but yeah. So I think that this Cruella, I, I totally take your point. They're like, how do we get people to be tweens to be interested in Cruella DeVille, but make adults want to go see it and show their kids, I guess? Well, I, my sister talked to me. She was like, this looks way too dark. Yeah, I'm not showing this to my kids. She's like, yeah. I don't know. She's on the fence. too, right? She's on the fence. I don't know what it is. But so, she, it's also it looks scary for a kid. Like, yeah, it's dark Cruella, and gritty. Cruella, that laugh she has, I don't know. Uh, another cool thing, though, Chris, and this is the last one we'll talk about, but the Ghostbusters clip from the new After... Mm-hmm. Afterlife. Afterlife. Afterlife, yeah. Um, where we see Paul Rudd in a store... Uh-huh. I can't tell if it's like a Walmart or just a grocery store. Yeah, just like a local grocery store. But he walks by. He's like getting ice cream and things, and he walks by a bag of marshmallows. And then, like, all of a sudden, these little, little baby little stay puffs. puffs. Yeah. Which I thought was cool. And obviously, that's all the taking an old character. Sure. And babyfying him is a, yeah. is a hot topic right now. Right? There's definitely something to be said about this movie in the trailer sowing the seeds of like tying to your heritage, right? So, yeah. like, you've seen the the dog from Ghostbusters 1. There's been a hint of it stepping on the hood of the car. One of freaking what's-his-name's dogs. What's, it got? what's the god? Zool. There it is. One of those dogs. And then, obviously, Stay Puff. And I think they're going to try and do, like, a 
tie of, you know, these spirits are tied to this. I don't know. That's my guess. But I thought it was cool to see the Stay Puff guys out there again. Yeah, I thought I, this is the first kind of clip that I saw that was just a standalone clip. And I was I got excited. I can't wait for that. Got yeah, the, it's going to be a fun right and everything. I'm excited for that. It's going to be a good time. Um, well, moving on, I think trailers turned out really well, and there's been some good stuff. We're always going to talk about that. Uh, the next one, I want to shift gears a little bit. Uh, this one is called The Enemy of My Enemy Isn't Always My Friend. Uh, uh, you know, we don't do a ton of comic book news, which is funny because we're both huge comic heads. True. Um, but I thought it was interesting to bring up a little comic news for the listeners, uh, especially if you're someone out there who maybe you've always been interested in reading comics, you don't know where to start or where to pick up. There's a fun, fun series that's out right now. Uh, that I think there are three issues in, and it's really cool. So I thought I wanted to tell you a little bit about it. And it's um, Bring it. Marvel is featuring uh, a new comic arc, and it's titled Avengers Mech Strike. Um, the series basically follows the Avengers as they take on new lar- a new larger than life threat. Um, these massive creatures that are known as like bio mechanoids, they're sort of like giant robot kaiju. Uh, and they start appearing throughout the Marvel Universe. The only thing that stopped them is vibranium. Super cool. So in order to combat the new threat, Iron Man and Black Panther, they develop these vibranium mech suits. So you almost got like this kind of like Voltron vibe, but with Avengers in them or Power Rangers, but with Avengers in them. And I'm bringing it up because the big baddie in this is Kang and the Conqueror, who is a big time Marvel Universe villain and someone that we're going to be introduced to in the next MCU movie. Not the next, but uh, the upcoming Ant-Man uh, Quantumania, um, and there's you know rumors that he could quite possibly be the next Thanos of this new MCU, the big baddie that everybody has to battle. Uh, but in this series specifically, Thanos has to team up because he's still alive in the comics. He's teaming up with the Avengers to help battle Kang because Ooh. even though they both hate the Avengers, they hate each other more. So. Yeah, Kang kind of like tortures Thanos a little yeah, bit. Yeah, they right? kind of mess each other. Kang's like right. an ultimate conqueror. He actually lives backwards in time. It's a whole freaking thing. But I, I really brought this up because I think it's really interesting. If Again, if you're someone who's wanting, you're like, I would love to go to a comic store and buy a series. Where to start? This is sort of like a one-off arc that is would be a great place to start. It's got a lot of characters you're familiar with from the movies. Um, but also, I brought up because Brad and I were having a great conversation about while we were watching um, the next episode, which was that... Marvel movies kill their villains a lot. There's only been four or five villains who right. have survived in all the movies. And we thought that was really interesting because, you know, in this comic series, you're going to see Thanos, a very bad guy, team up with the good guys to fight another bad guy. So I guess the question we were just thinking is, who out there would be bummed that they don't get to see that? Like, that's not going to be an MCU movie. The closest we're getting right now is Baron Zemo is helping Cap and Falcon. Yeah, I don't. it would be interesting... Not only that, but we have yet to see a bad guy kind of, I think, anyway. We haven't yet to see a bad guy come back and be and help the the good guys, except for maybe Baron Zemo, right? Who else Nebula is, is the only one. Nebula. Yeah. Who's on? The, yeah, she's kind of been on the She's like, oh, I'm bad. I work for Thanos. Okay, mm-hmm. I'll help you guys. I learned the power of friendship. Everybody learns the power of friendship. Right. But I think it's something that I hope in this next phase we're going to see more of this, especially with how well-received Baron Zemo even though you know he's going to backstab or he's got his own plans. <laughs> yeah. You know at the end of the day, like, he's not a good guy, but it's cool to have a villain helping the good guys because you can develop, that helps you develop a character. MCU has a bad habit of being like, you're a bad guy, you're dead. You're dead. You exploded. So, uh, well, I guess, I yeah. Guess, I guess you could argue that Claw came back and they killed, like, oh, yeah, I, then they killed him the next time you saw him. Yeah. Spoiler. So, uh, anyways, yeah, great. Check out the series. The game is called, uh, it's called Avengers Mech Wars. No, it's not. It's called Mech Strike. 
Um, <laughs> so be sure to check out Avengers Mech Strike uh, in comic shops near you. I think it's a eight issue run, and they're on issue three now, so you can still get hop on board and have some fun with it. Speaking of unopened things, <laughs> I was gonna say speaking of team ups. <laughs> Uh, Super Cash Bros, baby. Ooh-y. And uh, collecting is back. Real Absolutely. big. So big. Real big right now. Cards, comics, figs, all that stuff is coming out. And an unopened copy of the OG Super Mario Brothers sold for $666,000 in an online auction on Friday, Good shattering Lord. the previous $156,000 auction record for a video game. Set by the 1990 copy of Super Mario Brothers 3 in November. Uh, in a 13 bidder contest, $550 went to the seller and $550,000. $550,000 went to the seller and $110,000 went to Buyer's Premium to uh, Heritage Auctions. That's what gets you, man. It's the, that Buyer's Premium. The little, little slice off the top there. I buy stuff at uh, uh, pristineauctions.com. And I'll always get hammered by that premium. Uh, the original owner told Heritage that the game was bought as a Christmas gift and sat untouched in a desk drawer for 35 years before being discovered. How One, I got a couple questions here. The big one is, how does that happen? How do you buy a Christmas gift and just tuck it away and then forget about it? I have no idea how to answer that question. Was it like a gift that someone bought to like hide and didn't wrap? Or was it was it something like... They got it and they just threw it. They didn't. I'm I I this is I'm not even gonna speculate. All I'm gonna tell you is that I years ago, like six or seven years ago, bought a gift for someone I worked with, mm-hmm. and for a birthday, let's say, I got it wrapped at the store. They put they wrapped it for me. Yay! I took it home. I took it back to my office. I put it in my desk drawer. That person quit. It sat in my desk drawer for five and a half years. Until finally I opened it, I was like, I was like, I was like, oh damn, this is that little notebook. So like gave it to somebody. I was like, here, you can have this. My assumption is that, yeah, and either they took it home, tried to hide it in their desk drawer, forgot about it, nobody ever asked. Christmas presents get forgotten all the time. I guess or, so. Or yeah. even for this pristine living in a drawer, I would go as far as to argue that it was wrapped. It was wrapped in Christmas packaging, put in the back of a drawer to hide it, forgot about it. Oh, what the hell is this? Tear off the paper. Oh my God. It was also graded. Well, they probably got it greatest because yeah. they found out what they had. Right. Well, that's what you're talking about here, too. Five, I mean, and that's one thing to, to note. $550,000 went to the seller. That means the person who found this in the back of their drawer made over half a million dollars. How much do you think that game costs at retail? It probably costs... Uh, it, it obviously co- probably costs more to Six, grade. $16.99? No. Game's like 100 and something bucks back. No. Super Mario Brothers 3... $25. Wait. Yep, $25 or $24.99. What did I say? $16. So, pretty close. Yeah. A lot closer than 100 Well, I feel like I looked up games recently, and I was like, I don't recall paying it. Maybe that's for PlayStation or something. Anyway, I was wrong. Well, I mean, good for them. That's a huge fine. A good check. And that's a good, good check. How, how much do you think it costs to grade? 110000 No. Grading probably costs... 50 bucks. Yeah, 100 bucks. 75 bucks, 78 bucks. Probably went through a professional company, had it dropped off. 110000 just goes to the people who sold, sold it for them. Not yeah. a bad day's work. 
hey, and they don't actually do that. But, uh, yeah, I mean, wow. I wish they did. That's pretty damn impressive. Speaking of pretty damn, Brad, <laughs> uh, pretty damn invincible. Uh, okay, gang, this is less of a news story and more of just a general update I want to give everybody. Um, so Brad and I have recently been watching Amazon Prime's Invincible. If you are ever on Amazon Prime TV, uh, you pull up the app, uh, it will shout at you to watch this show. Uh, the trailer keeps playing. It's a cartoon series. Um, and I just have to go out on a limb and say that we are loving it. If we're not loving it, we're both highly intrigued by it. Um, as Brad already brought up earlier. Yeah, okay. go ahead. I was going yeah. to say, it's a, it's a slow roll. It slow rolls you in the beginning, but then it heats up quick. Um on our micro podcast, which is what Brad brought up earlier, called The Next Episode. That's where we basically follow along with a weekly episode of a show. We give our take. Those are only about 30 minutes usually. So we're currently, like he said, we're watching Falcon and Winter Soldier. Um, so there's unfortunately no room for us to also review Invincible right now. But I just wanted to let you know, if you enjoy animated shows that have very adult content, uh, this one is for you. I say very adult content, like I'm talking about porn. Not porn, just like <laughs> violence and adult themes. Um, Invincible, the show itself follows high school student Mark Grayson, son of the ultimate superhero who's known as Omni-Man, basically Superman of this world, or Homelander, very similar to the boys. Uh, and he, as he develops his powers and enters the superhero world in an attempt to be a hero like his father, uh, definitely worth a watch, Brad. Yeah, um, yes, I'm, I'm in. I'm in right now. Yeah. I, we're three in? We're three in. There's four available right now, and I believe it's eight episodes. They release every Thursday, I think. Uh, weekly, uh, weekly. Uh, so definitely if you're at home and, you, and maybe you're someone who's really enjoyed you're like oh I really liked the boys or I really liked Castlevania or one of those this is definitely for you the animation's really good um, most of the time um, and the story's good the voice acting is phenomenal it's got a cast you can't believe so definitely uh, take take a watch of this one which is just a general update for you speaking of cutting things and lots of blood baby there we go. we're talking knife flicks Netflix has finally uh, Netflix has finalized a deal with oh, uh, worth over four hundred million dollars for two sequels and uh, two sequels to the twenty nineteen surprise box office hit Knives Out Knives Out Knives Out Knives Out Knives Out Knives Out. Um, Ryan Johnson will be returning to direct the next two films, which he has already written, and Daniel Craig will be reprising his role as Detective Benoit Blanc. There you go. Which uh, I couldn't be more happy. Oh, yeah. That was my easily my favorite movie of 2019. I think it should have won Best Picture. Unless that was Parasite's year. Wasn't it 2018? What won Best Picture in 2019? Quick, at home, answer. It's it's trivia. You've got five seconds. Parasite. Was it Parasite in 2019 or was that 2018? It was Green Book. Knives Out should have absolutely won. Green Book? Green Book's a good movie. It didn't deserve the Oscar. And absolutely should have gone to, uh, absolutely should have gone to Knives Out. Not the point. The point is, I'm very excited for this. I don't know how Netflix plans to make $400 million off these two movies. Are they still in debt, right? Yeah, I guess. But they have the most subscribers out of all the streaming services. It's true. The one thing I am most excited, obviously, uh, Ryan Johnson uh, being back. He's a great director. We know that Knives Out, the first one he did, is such a beautiful detective story and great and the ambiance and all that stuff. I think the thing I'm most excited about, though, is that this is not a sequel to Knives Out. It's going to be like a whole, it's going to be like a series, kind of like what they did with the train. It'll be just like a detective. It's a, it's a detective series. Yeah. He, now he's got, he'll, it's going to be Benoit Blanc solving a different crime somewhere else in the country. 
And the third one will be Benoit Blanc solving a different crime somewhere else in the country. I love this anthology idea. You know, Sherlock Holmes, it's no different. Sherlock Holmes, he did one case in every story, and then he moved on. What about... um, Or Hercule Poirot. Wasn't there another... that, that There's supposed to be another sequel to... Or Murder on the Orient Express? Yeah. There is, yeah. It's, is it already done? Yeah, uh, Death on the Nile. No. It's already done, or is it... It's in production, because they did... Wait, no, that's not a trilogy. That's just it, That'll just be a sequel, right? Yeah, they did Murder on the Orient Express. Now they're doing Death on the Nile, right. which are very, two of the most famous Hercule Poirot uh, detective stories from Agatha Christie. This, Benoit Blanc, is an original creation by Rain Johnson, so... um. Really, really cool. I can't wait to watch these movies. I, I could watch Knives Out once a week for the rest of my life. <laughs> yeah, there's just so many different turns and a great cast, obviously. Beautiful. With you know they're gonna bring. That. You know this is gonna be bringing in heavy hitters again. After yeah, I can't the first wait. one in his style. Get out of town. Is it gonna go straight to Netflix? Absolutely. No. It'll go. Theaters. I would argue that this will be a Netflix in theaters. Yeah. Yeah. Too much on the line. Too much money put out there. Interesting. I'm. I'm curious. This is, this is another conversation for another time, but. But the fact that theaters still haven't really bounced back yet. Mm-hmm. It's almost- yeah, I think Kong or Godzilla vs. Kong became the the best pandemic era box office. Hit. Yeah, it which, made is, like which we'll get into. Four million or something. But I, I don't even think it's that high. Yeah, uh, not great. But I, which is, <laughs> that's a half that's a half billion dollar movie right there that, that didn't get there. Yeah, which is again interesting to see how Warner Brothers ends up with this. Um, streaming and in theaters. Mm-hmm. Um, True. If that, let's say it works out and it, it makes more sense for Warner Brothers to just put their shit out on streaming. Yeah. Does, yeah. Nef- does Netflix try and finagle that? Maybe. It's, it's going to be a whole new world when this thing comes back around. A whole new world where you watch movies and how you watch and prices and everything. It's crazy. Crazy. Was it this movie or Mortal Kombat that, um, or was it a different movie that Netflix was trying to buy and Warner Brothers was like, nah. Hmm, I didn't hear that. Yeah, we talked about it. We talked about it on the show before. Well, I don't remember that one. I'll, I'll have to look it up later. Well, speaking of changes, <laughs> uh, <laughs> speaking of looking around later, uh, ah, this last story for you we have before we move on to our main topic is called... I'll take Commander LaForge for 2000. Uh, so we've talked about this in the past. Jeopardy, obviously, since the tragic passing of Alex Trebek, has been doing sort of a revolving door. Not, in t- not, not It's not like they're hiring people to be the new host and then firing them, but they to buy some time and sort of, you know, let, let the show breathe a little. Every week they've been bringing in a, bringing in a different celebrity guest. Aaron Rodgers. Um, Who got burned. Got burned by, by one zone, of the contestants. Of the, yeah. Hilarious. Uh, so they've been bringing in celebrities to come and do it. However, something has emerged from this, and that is a petition that has popped up on Change.org that is calling for the new host of Jeopardy to be none other than everybody's favorite, LeVar Burton. So with over 165,000 signatures as of this morning, I'm sure it's higher now, the petition's aim is to let the show's producers know, quote, just how much love the public has for Burton and how much we'd all love to see him as the next host of Jeopardy. Uh, and this seems to be working as LeVar uh, himself appears to be on board. He tweeted the petition with a caption that said, quote, leaving this here in the event the powers that be are listening, end quote. Um, 
just for, if you don't, I mean, we all know if you listen to this, you probably grew up in this area, you know something. But Lavar Burton has such an amazing career, not only as a Star Trek reference there, but um, Burton has a storied career when it comes to educational television specifically. You think that Reading Rainbow was just a show that was on a few years when you were a kid? You are wrong, mi amigo. Uh, he has been the showrunner and host of Reading Rainbow for 21 seasons. Wow. He has a popular podcast where he reads stories and uh, discusses po- like popular kids and all kinds of stories uh, and his favorite fiction writing. Uh, and he also is just in general a pop culture icon, I would say. He has never a bad word against him. He's the nicest guy to work with. He loves the idea of promoting education through television. Huge supporter of PBS. Um, love this. Love this. What a great guy, right? I could see him on there. Could you see him on there? Definitely. And uh, Steve Colbert, actually, I don't know if you know this, uh, he's also been on board with LeVar Burton as the new host. There we go. Um, Jonathan Frakes, I believe that's his name. Jonathan Frakes, yes. He played uh, uh, number two on Star Trek Next Generation. Also on board. So Commander Riker. I'm curious what the what they're looking for as far as the host for Jeopardy. Yeah. I'm guessing, like I said, I, I know what they were thinking. They say, hey, let's take three months and do some new people in there just to make sure we're not immediately moving on. They want to have almost like a, uh, not a grace, grace period. period. What would it be considered? Like a, a grace period. Uh, an honoring, a mourning period in a sense. Like we don't, they don't want to just be like, and your new host is. Because like Bob Barker didn't die. He retired and they brought in Drew Carey. You right. know what I mean? So that was an easy transition. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this one's going to be a little bit different. And um, I think what they're looking for is just, Honestly, it sounds silly because I'm reading this story, but I can't think of any better than LeVar Burton. He really is. Yeah. It's somebody who's knowledgeable, who's trustworthy, who can command that room in front of people who are, you know, right. nervous, but also very smart. I think he'd be great. And he's 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 his you, huge likability. Has he hosted before? I don't know if he's ever hosted Jeopardy. Interesting. You think he'd be like a guest host, someone they bring in, especially I with mean, how tidy he is. Here, here's, here's what kind of throws me off, is they brought in Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, well, Aaron Rodgers won. Celebrity Jeopardy, but can he host the show? I mean, he's he's a well-spoken, charismatic guy, so I think so. Hmm. But I don't think he'd be a long-term host. He was just doing his. Yeah, no, this is a guest. They were just bringing people who had done well in the past. Yeah, and I think he, I think he won by like, I think he won by like seventeen thousand dollars. Who was he up against? I can't remember. Yeah, but it was like it was a blowout. It wasn't even close. It'd be interesting to bring in like someone maybe like David Letterman. <laughs> yeah, I think they also want somebody who, and this is not to be insensitive, but I think they also want somebody who's got years on them. I think LeVar Burton is 54, uh-huh. so that would buy you at 20 years. Yeah, I mean. Barring tragedy, you bring in Letterman. Letterman's what, 80? I see what you're saying. So you're, you you got to get someone young but distinguished. Young, So distinguished but not too young but not too old. <laughs> LeVar Burton hits it. Fair enough. Uh, no, I hope he gets it. I think Jeopardy is a, definitely a very popular show for everybody and one of the most funny tricks to play on people when you record the show and then <laughs> don't tell them and then make bets. Don't tell me. On all the answers. Wild. And crazy kids. Hey, on that note, though, Chris, let's get into some Kong. Dive into the main versus- story. I'm in. <laughs> It's actually Godzilla versus Kong. I'm gonna get it right. I'm gonna get it right. Uh, today we're talking Godzilla versus King Kong. Big, big, big Huge. blockbuster. A monster hit, if you a will. Monster of a movie. 
monster movie. Um, this is actually the fourth in the franchise. Awesome. I think what's interesting, I'm just going to say this before we get into it, but it is interesting to me that Kong was never really referenced until uh, Monsters, right? Godzilla and the, the last one. King Godzilla, King of Monsters? Yeah. Yeah, and it was only a passing. And it was, yeah, it was in like the credits. Yeah, that's it. They kind of. I, t- I think there's a scene where you can see the uh, on the monarch screen. There's a shot of him on Skull Island, like Wakanda on in Avengers. Like there's a dot on the map. Exactly. Yeah, I was like, oh, cool, because so, they had to thank Skull Island and the the appearances, thanks to Universal Studios or whatever. Right. Well, the, it's the same company. I know. I was just making that up. I just know that it said special, <laughs> or it said it called that out. Uh, interesting. Well, this actually has. This movie got a 75% certified fresh. Cool. And a 69 from, I'm sorry. No, that's Kong Skull Island. This got like a, what, 82? 92 from fans. 92 from fans. Did it get a 75 from certified pe- fresh? From certified fresh? Yeah. yeah. So I'll tell you what. Uh, I watched this movie. It's right now, for those of you who maybe haven't seen it, don't listen to this. Um, but it's on HBO Max, free through April, whatever. Uh, if you're a subscriber, I, I was shooting. I was shooting low as I watched this movie. I really thoroughly, I'm gonna get ahead of it. Enjoyed the movie. As the movie finished, I thought, boy, I bet they found some ways to hammer this because it's a little bit, it's a little more out there. I was like, maybe it'll be like a 62. And I saw it was at that point, it was like an 81 at that point. Dropped down, obviously, and then people gave it 92. I agree. No, it was. It it's was, a fun sci-fi action romp. I'm gonna say this. I think that coming off of the last one. King of Monsters. There's mm-hmm. two. I think there's two things that make this movie. Three things actually. Sure. Uh, one is nobody really knew the other monsters, Mm-mm. and isn't the last one where he's like Godzilla's like in love with like the the butterfly or whatever. Sort of. There's like so a little story there where they protect there. each other because there's bad monsters and there's good monsters. Right. But Mothra's no- a good monster. But nobody knows really who the other monsters are, unless you're a Godzilla fan. Right, right. right. I mean, yeah, you only, the only reason I knew the names is because the titles of the movies in Japan are or, the names. That, yeah, yeah, yeah. Every movie is Godzilla vs. Ghidorah, Godzilla vs. Mothra. But never all of them are the same. Okay, here's there. No, I don't know. There's probably a Battle Royale one where they all have to fight. But definitely, uh, yeah, I, that's a great point, but I didn't really think that up. You know, in the first one, you don't need a name. For what Godzilla is fighting, mm-hmm. the second one really throws it at you. Like there are monsters and they have names and they're all fighting each other. And there's so much dialogue in that last movie. Huge, a lot of dialogue. I mean, one thing that we talked about. And I'll, yeah, I'm glad to get ahead on this. Um, there's been such an interesting progression with these Godzilla films since the first one that came out in what 2014. Yep, 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 yep. yep, uh, yep. That movie was with star- starring Taylor T- Aaron Taylor Johnson and Brian Cranston and Elizabeth Ken Watanabe, Olsen. Elizabeth Olsen. Is such a good movie because it was. It was sort of a sleeper in the sense that nobody really saw it coming. Oh, here's another Godzilla action movie. And then it ends up being this deep story that has like emotional complexities with the characters. And and like I was talking to Brad, you know, that first one, to me, while there is big monster fights, that movie is more of almost like a suspense thriller. Like you're like, oh my God, are the people going to be okay? And then three years later, Godzilla King of Monsters comes out and they basically said, okay, this is just an action movie. The people in it have guns and are trying to blow stuff up and the monster trying to kill each other. This is all action all the time. And then this one comes out and probably why I undershot the score is because this movie is full on sci-fi. 
Like, there's no denying that this is just a science fiction movie. Uh, just, just to be clear, uh, King of Monsters came out uh, 2019. Oh, did it? Okay. So, wow, there was a there was five a five-year year gap. Yeah, but I think Kong came out after. Kong came out, what, 2017 probably? So, that was kind of a middle thing. Um, and then King, and then Skull Island. Skull Island came out in 2017. Is definitely an action movie. See, I, I mean. As well. But I love, I've loved every, all of them. Even King of Monsters. Godzilla King of Monsters was a lot, and I liked it. Godzilla and Godzilla, though, if I remember correctly, there's like a first a good amount of time of that movie that takes place in a different time than it like. Yeah, the first twenty the first twenty minutes are when the plant breaks down, and and Brian Cranston's wife dies, and and Aaron Taylor Johnson's like a an eight year old kid, ten year old kid. So Brian Cranston also twenty two years or not twenty two like fifteen years pass. Brian Cranston also dies, right? He dies later in the movie. Yeah, in a different time period though. Yeah, in the in the fourteen years later, when Aaron Taylor, Taylor Johnson is an adult and he has a kid, he like closes the thing or whatever. Yeah, yeah. no, he closes. That's in the beginning. He closes the thing, so or his wife closes the door and dies. He gets killed on top of a platform when the monster breaks through. Not Godzilla, the other one. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, I I think I enjoyed Kong Skull Island a little more. I think we talked about this a little bit, but it's fun. It's colorful. It's um it's in the seventies. In the seventies, it kind of takes a takes a little twist. Um, introduces Kong being much bigger than the Kong we saw in Peter Jackson's King Kong movie. Um, this this one's like the size of a building. Do you think with with these big monster movies, much like Rampage, sure, all of them, uh, even Pacific Rim, if but, you will. I mean, this is in the same universe as Pacific Rim, right? Pacific yeah. Rim is just way in the future. Yeah, it's just like a hundred years in the future is when Pacific Rim takes place. Um, which this even hints at that, which is cool. I feel like a long time ago, or I don't know if it's long. Yeah, I guess it's a long time ago. These kind of movies were just like fun to watch, and but now when we watch them, I feel like I don't know if it's because I got older and that's what I realize now, or if everybody kind of feels this way. And that is like every time you see a city just get destroyed, you're oh, like, oh, absolutely. You're like, no, who's gonna fucking pay for that? Why? My question is, why are we still building buildings up? Like, you know what I mean? In like, real life. If if because it doesn't really talk about like let's say the in these movies you've seen San Francisco be destroyed, Las Vegas be destroyed, Hong Kong now be destroyed, one city whatever city's in King of Monsters that city is gone. I think it's Boston. It's Boston is gone. Godzilla becomes a nuclear weapon and basically irradiates everything. Like, and Millie Bobby Brown and her family managed to escape. I guess her mom didn't make it. Right. Nobody in this movie in Hong Kong nobody's working or living in a building in a downtown metropolitan area. There's I mean, no way. At this point, right? Who would be like, unless rent was a nickel, who's going to be living in a 50-story high-rise knowing that a monster could come and just casually fall into this building? Everybody's moving to the I mean, the West. construction is, the, the destruction is insane. Allie, my wife, and I, we had a really good conversation about this. We were watching a little Godzilla documentary about how the original movies were supposed to be you know monster movies obviously but their whole thing was in in japan was to warn people of the effects and damage that nuclear well in that point atomic weapons could do like that we need to all be careful not only is it could it make a monster but really like it wipes out cities the destruction is imminent we need to be more conscious of these dangers and how in the 50s and 60s that was the message in those movies and now it's which fucking city can we blow up this week <laughs> you guys want to destroy hong kong exactly. like sure or shanghai or wherever 
Right. So it's interesting how it progresses because we want to see destruction. We love when things get blown up and destroyed and when big battles, that's what happened. Like if they were just fighting in the middle of the desert, you'd be like, cool. You want to see them get punched through a building. But then you get, like you said, you get older. As a kid, you're like, oh, yeah, nice. And as an adult, I'm like, oh, boy, what a mess. Oh, what's that tax bill oh like? Oh, my gosh. It like, took them, I mean, this is not to be insensitive. This is just a true fact. It took six years to clean up the Twin Towers when they fell. Eleven. Eleven years to get that cleaned up. Well, just try and imagine if all of New York City had fallen down. I mean, yeah, that's why I think been I destroyed, think that's where not I get, just tipped I, over, been destroyed. Yeah, I think that's where I get my reference point. Everyone would, you just abandon it. You'd be like, no one can live in San Francisco anymore. No one gets right. to live in Boston. No one gets to live in Shanghai. Okay. I mean, even in Pacific- Those were big places where a lot of people live. We evacuated the cities. Oh, yeah. I think they do in Pacific Rim, though, right? In Pacific Rim, they have, like, kaiju shelters. Or, yeah, but because, uh, like, there's, like, this one city where that girl, is, the kid girl is, and she has, like, her own little thing, right? She yeah. Made robot, yeah, she made her own little robot. Yeah. I mean, that's one thing that you, you see them trying to do fixes for this. Like, if you live in a world of kaijus, we would do our best and all this shit. But at the end of the day, like, I mean, yeah, you're, just, you're, just, you're just living every day hoping that somebody doesn't come up. And the only, I will say this, one, there were a lot of, I, li- I love this movie, already said it, because mm-hmm. it's a hell of a good time. It's just a fun time. I will say that in the beginning, speaking to destruction, Godzilla comes up, the movie opens, you know, oh, he comes up and he's trying to destroy this plant because something's beaconing him in there and everything's always bad now. He's using his breath. He's just womp, womp, destroying this big swaths, stepping on shit, knocking down planes, helicopters. The next day, the news story, Godzilla killed 11 people. That's it. Eleven people out of all of those, all, all, all that. I could accidentally people. kill eleven people <laughs> if I went out in the street and was trying to do some damage. There's no way you use atomic breath? breath in a huge. Well, hell yeah, <laughs> atomic breath in a swath, and only eleven people got it. Yeah. So they're de- they downplay the they downplay the collateral damage, but then upplay it when it suits them. Yeah, I. <laughs> that's a great point. Um, but again, I think why this movie also is good is because the last one was so bad. I mean, I think they got a 45 on, on Rotten It was Tomatoes. just a lot. I think the people aspect hurt the last movie because exactly. there was this idea there was an organization who was trying to unleash all the monsters to destroy the world to start over, and it just felt forced. Instead of just following Godzilla as other monsters were being born because we did something bad or whatever, it was like... There was an active terrorist group whose plan was to wipe out everything, and that was how you got Millie Bobby Brown involved and Kyle Chandler. It's like, I just think that movie, you didn't need that. Right. It could have just been like, monsters are coming. We need Godzilla's help. Yeah, and then he, he goes to Middle Earth and like the, the whole bomb, nuclear bomb thing, right? Which is cool. I mean, that, that, that movie cool. hinted at Hollow Earth Theory, which is a huge part of this film. Yes. But still, it just was like, huh? I still love that movie. Though. I thought it was a hell of a romp. I would. I think I would like to know how. And this is spoilers going forward, but I would like to know how King Kong got Hunger Games. Yeah. Like who they like? It was on Skull, Skull Island, still, uh-huh. but they just built this trap. Yeah. I, guess, I guess they just trapped him in there. Yeah. Well, I didn't actually. It was so funny. I, there are things you don't catch, and I caught it later in the movie, and. I think that's one of the things about this movie that I actually enjoy is that there was stuff to discover. And then some people could say, well, that's just lazy. But um, <laughs> in Skull Island, 
from years back in the 1970s, we see an entire indigenous people living on the island. Right. They built cities and walls, and we've seen you know giant squids and skull crawlers and stick bugs and all this stuff. And then now this movie opens with you know King Kong walking out onto Skull Island, it says, and he's having a nice little morning. Then he throws a tree through the ceiling. It finds out he's in a containment facility. Zooming out of the containment facility, there's like a crazy storm raging. And then later in the movie, when when the main doctor is talking about how she adopted this little girl, the deaf girl who teaches Kong Sign Language, she says, after the storm took over Skull Island and wiped out the indigenous people, I took her in. And it was this moment in my head that watching the movie didn't click, but then like an hour later, I was like, oh, Skull Island was famous for having like a hurricane basically surrounding it at all times so that no one could get in or out. This just meant that that storm cell changed and basically killed everything on the island and Monarch got there and was able to build a containment facility for him fast enough. So it's almost like we don't have to worry about any other monsters, just Kong, because we saved him from a storm. Right. Okay. Yeah. They're doing what's they're protecting him, doing what's best for him, but they're also keeping him in a cage. Yeah. Which I thought was interesting. Interesting. It's a story right there. Do you think, I mean, we still could talk a little bit more about the movie, but do you think we're going to get another one? I do. I'm optimistic. I think that this one tied too closely into hinting at Pacific Rim. And that's been the plan for a while. Not the plan, but the rumors for a while. That was like the hope. There would be a Kong, Godzilla, Pacific Rim movie. And I think that could be because the and jumping ahead in the story, so you know, we, we you find out that Mecha Godzilla, who yeah, is a real bad guy, you find out that he's being controlled by humans who are using Ghidorah's skull to create a link between a human pilot so that you can create a mech, which is basically the starter science of Pacific Rim. Two pilots link mind meld together in so that they can control the robot like it's their body. Exactly what's happening in this true, movie. true, true. So this would be the first and, I mean, we saw this in a funny video we're watching, but the main bad guy trillionaire dude, who his whole goal is to build a weapon that can fight Titans. And at first glance, you're like, well, that's not such a bad idea. Like, humans would want a defense. Right. That's what Pacific Rim is. Pacific Rim is, we got these fucking monsters that don't stop coming. We're going to build giant robots to fight them. So I think, and, and Titans apparently live for eons. Right. So I could definitely see the next movie being Humans in mechs with Godzilla, with King Kong, fighting the aliens that keep sending them here. <laughs> they're going to bring an alien? Yeah, everybody, just throw it off just, the wall. Just mash the franchises together? I mean, that, but that's what I'm talking about. Even talking about this, like we, we brought up so much we've already tried to cover. Like This wasn't just about monsters fighting. There's a mech that's a bad guy. Hollow Earth theory is huge, plays a central role in the idea that there is an Earth below our Earth that contains an entire living world of beings and creatures and science, and you have to go through portals to get there. And Hollow, if you've never heard of Hollow Earth theory, just give it a read because it's super interesting. Um, there's a sun down there too. There's yeah, the 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 Earth's core creates sort of a sun and creates its own gravity and power and energy and life, a whole thing. I mean, that's just a part of this movie. That's why it went from. Godzilla in 2014 being like, oh no, it destroyed a power plant. Better get on some helicopters and get the hell right. out of here. A, a nuke that's on a clock. To this one where it's like, we have spaceships with shielding that can go through gravitational fields. We have giant mech robots. Uh, what else we got, guys? We got some hollow earth in there. Uh-huh. Okay, I love that. 
Give me more of that. We got super rails that can get you from Florida to Shanghai in three hours. Right. Well, nobody gives a shit. The whole time I was watching, like, yeah, because if a giant dinosaur creature can live, fuck, this stuff can live too. Right. It's already, you know, I love to know the person who's like, mm-mm, nope, I don't that buy that. I don't buy that super train. Huh? You buy the 500-foot monkey, you don't buy the train? <laughs> <laughs> um. How do you feel about Brian Tyree Henry's character? I felt I was really looking forward to him in this movie, uh-huh. but I didn't really like his conspiracy antic. You know, there's this strange Michael Bayism, I'm going to call it, where I think some people feel like when you make a giant action blockbuster, you absolutely have to have plucky comic relief, which was missing in Godzilla and was missing in King of Monsters. Monsters. But nobody needed it. It wasn't like it was missing and people were like, well, there was no laughs. <laughs> but I call it Michael Bay because then you go to like Transformers, John Turturro's character. Or, yeah, or there's always a goofball. They always right. throw in a comedy. Somebody who's got jokes, who doesn't need it. Shia LaBeouf was like, yes, in these big action epics. And this one, that's what they did. We'll get, Bri- we'll get Brian Tyree Hill. Brian Tyree Henry. Did I say Hill? Yeah. Brian Tyree Henry. Um... <laughs> We'll get him to be this crazy conspiracy theorist who has these crazy ideas, and he's like got this nutty podcast. And then we'll get the the little fat kid he, from Deadpool too, and he'll be really oh, funny. Yeah, I always forget. About and him. they'll counteract Millie Bobby Brown's like sort of wooden acting style, and that'll be great. And the whole time, every time it cuts to them, I just went, "Take me back to Kong." <laughs> More <laughs> monsters punching each other. Yeah, make them fight. And again, this this actually, I just realized this was the movie I was talking about where Netflix offered to get it to Netflix, but they offered a lot of money, and when that whole they said nah, no, Legendary wanted to do it, but HBO Max was like, nah, we're not going to give it no, up. No, this is for us. Yeah, and it's not like it's funny, the- but it, but they were offered more than what the movie made. Interesting. But I just noticed that right now. That's why I said it. But I, the other thing, too, is I feel like Brian Tyree Henry's character reminded me very much. His name's Bernie Hayes in the, in the movie. It reminded me of, like, Woody Harrelson in 2012. Sure. But Woody Harrelson Wait, looks. Wait, he's in 2012? Woody Harrelson? Yeah. Yeah, he's the, he's the conspiracy guy in the camper. Wow, I forgot about that. And he's like, I'm just going to go, man. And he's like, the. Whatever happened, the water just takes him out. See, this is a this is a trope. You need a plucky comic relief, relief who has who knows stuff. You know what I mean? Or right, oh. he had a I think he had a radio show. Yeah, he, it was like a tin. It was the same damn thing. Right, but I, it worked for him because Woody Harrelson looks like a guy who could live in a camper. I just didn't. Brian Tyree Henry actually worked for the company. Right, he was like the janitor. Yeah, he he had in, he had infiltrated or the IT guy. Yeah, he had infiltrated just being like a normal IT engineer, dude, to the company that was creating Mechagodzilla, so that he could expose them and all their evil practices, not knowing they were building a mech, right, a super mech. Do you feel like the mech thing was would have been a lot better if it was like a reveal versus knowing before we went into the movie? <sighs> yeah, that's what we talked about before. They spoiled this with toys, and they spoiled this in the trailer. You can see. Mechagodzilla's blueprints in the back of a shot, and you can see, um, you can see his red eyes in an attack. I don't know. I, I think that we all suspected this was going to happen already. That's not there was going to be another monster. 
I don't think I need it to be, oh, it's back of the Godzilla. It was more just like, just don't try and make everything. I think movies a lot nowadays, they just, everything needs to be a <gasps> moment. And sometimes it doesn't. I will say that the story, though, hints at it when you watch the movie. Sure. So that's what made yeah, they me pretty, feel like. They, pretty, they lay it on pretty thick. They they drop hints about it, yeah. but they don't, without telling you, which makes me feel like it should have been a reveal. But, right. Uh, also, this could have been another movie where they team up against the Mecha. Sure, yeah, this could have been them versus them, and then, but then you've got to find a reason to make them friends at the end. Enemy of my enemy. It would That's be just them beating one. on each other, and then all of a sudden being like, nope, that was a good fight. There'd be no ultimate conclusion. Uh, Nothing gets to die. You need to watch something die. Gotcha. And in this case, that's a robot's head being ripped out, spine and all. What about the Godzilla laugh? You like that? No. Didn't like that. <laughs> They're obviously supposed to be smarter than people think. I think that was Ken Wanabe's character in the first two Godzillas before he died was the idea that it's not just a big dinosaur. Right. Godzilla knows, he thinks, he senses. And in this one, we obviously Kong knows sign language. He's much smarter than we think. I think the laugh was supposed right. to imply that Godzilla is also very smart, even though he can't do sign language. He understands humor. Um, <laughs> yes. I don't think we needed that yeah. at all, even a little bit. Uh, overall, Chris, splash trash or meh? It's a splash for me. It's a good sci-fi movie, a fun romp. The cast works. Uh, uh, the action sequences work. I, I agree. I'm going to go with this. Double splash. I'm going to go with another splash on that one. Um, Double splash. I think that there's a few things that gloss over. I just like that the human element was definitely pulled all the way back. Mm-hmm. Didn't care about any of the characters. Yeah, uh, right. From the last one, but uh, they're in there for some reason. And you just saw. I would have liked to see what happened to Boston, though. Yeah, no in, mention in the, of Boston's me that, like. Show me yeah. that in the credits. Is Boston fine? Huh. Huh. It's gone. <laughs> where are the Red Sox playing? Even somebody should have been pissed. Like, look what happened in Boston. Like, the millionaire didn't have a moment where he had, like, or the billionaire guy who created the Met Godzilla. There was never a moment where he really explained why he was doing it. It was mostly like, I'm going to have the market on Titan killers. We're, humans will again be the top of the food chain. Instead, he should have yeah. been fear. It should have been a thing like, look what they did here and here and here. Right. This is why I built this thing. Look at Boston. Look at San Francisco. We need a weapon. Instead, they made him be like, oh, humanity should be the superior race, even though we're only, yeah. we're like ants to these creatures. Like, shut up. Yeah, they could have angled that better. Yeah. But I, I, there are a lot of things in this movie that I think are forgivable. Absolutely. But this movie is a lot of fun. A ton of fun. A lot better than the last one. So if you're, if you are looking to go see the, or you don't really know because this one wasn't very good. Or that one wasn't very good. You didn't like the other ones. This one's fun. This Different, one's a, a lot good, of fun. Yeah, it brings both big big titans. We've been waiting for this match, much like a rematch from Tyson and Holyfield. Or there you go. It's a big one. We never something we never seen before. Uh, the what, what? Oh, the I guess the biggest question is, and it's I think this ha- is answered in the movie in a very they both kind of win way. But would you? Who would you say won in this movie, Godzilla or King Kong? It's a tie. In the movie, they try and make it out for tie. Godzilla takes the first round. Kong takes the second round. Right. Um, I would King ar- Kong won. I would say I would argue that Godzilla won. Really? Yeah, because he he got to stay on top. 
That's true. But yeah, that's true. That at the end of the movie, that's something we didn't talk about. The idea that there can only be one Alpha Titan, and that's why King Kong, Godzilla hate each other is because Alpha Titans, like their two Alphas, can't exist. But then because Hollow Earth is where King Kong's people and Godzilla's people are from. King Kong gets to stay on the surface and be the king, and King Kong gets to go to the think, hollow earth and be king. I think you just said King Kong stays on earth. Oh, Godzilla gets to be the upper king, and King Kong gets to be the lower king. Right. So yeah. it works. But again, it go- goes back to, I think, franchise on top of the other. I would like to see a sequel to Kong. I want more of this stuff. Yeah. I, I think we find there's a lot more. Uh, there are more battles to be had. They're obviously expensive movies to make, a lot of CGI work. Right. But why not? Keep them going. So... <clears throat> now we talked a little bit about the box office success of this movie, and I say success loosely. Um, the five day total was forty eight point five million dollars is what it made, and that's the pandemic era box office record. How much did you say? Forty what? Eight point two. That's no money. No this movie's budget was probably one hundred fifty million dollars. So, I, how do you again write it off? I guess everything's going to be considered a, a write-off yeah. going forward. Pandemic, whatever, you could write it off on your taxes, I guess. <laughs> I guess. They're like, oh, yeah, well, our loss was $150 million, but we don't have to pay that in taxes because pandemic relief. Oh, okay. Uh, the budget for this was <laughs> 200 Oh, okay. <laughs> the budget for this was $200 million. Wow. Wow. They've made 25% of their money back. Yeah, they'll write that off. So, but with that being said, does that justify another movie? <sighs> Again, this is just like with trailer or what we talked about earlier. We are going to be going into such a weird era coming out of this pandemic. Who knows? Who knows? They're like, hey, we only made $50 million in theaters, but. 80% of households that subscribe to HBO Max watched this movie. So, if that's, let's just say conservatively, that's 300 million people. 300 million people at $10 a month, that's $3 billion a month. No, isn't HBO Max is like the most expensive? Isn't this like $17.99? There you go. Yeah. This is if a- it was a dollar and 300 million households had subscriptions globally, which is not that many, that would be. Three hundred million dollars. It's ten dollars, but it's only paying That's for $3 one movie. Billion dollars. That's only paying for one movie. Yeah, well, it pays for everything they do, but I'm sure not everything costs two hundred million dollars. I think what'll be interesting to see will be all the flops. Yeah. Right? Oh well, and then tr- people. You think people will try and be like, "Well, we made that movie during the pandemic, so that needs to fall under the that bed. doesn't count." Yeah, don't that one doesn't count. We're gonna let that one fly right over our heads. Interesting. Very stuff. interesting stuff, man. I can't wait to see what's going. On. I'd love to see more of these though. Definitely. Uh, let us know what you thought about Godzilla versus King Kong. Did you think Kong won? Did you think Godzilla won? Hit us up at gsplashbc uh, at gmail.com or over on Instagram, gsplashpodcast. And uh, we'll, we'll get the, the, this, the chat going. Yeah. Uh, next week, I have no idea what we're talking about. Ooh, but it'll be fun. It will be another one, but stay tuned. I'm excited. It'll be another to- one. <laughs> That's for damn sure. Stay tuned for uh, the next episode following this episode Um, and we're going to be following Winter Soldier and Falcon as well as Invincible Um, great shows to check out and then check out that Marvel new arc I'm going to go check it out Mm -hmm. absolutely it's going to be fun 
Um, but that's going to do it for this episode. I'm your host, Bradley Baxter, my man, Chris Buck. Buck you what? We out of here, baby. Bye. Peace. Go. G-Splash. Hey. Nah, I'm talking G-Splash.